Welcome to the Geek Tea Podcast, where we have no mantra. I'm Void. I'm here with my co-host, Beige. Oh. No, don't do it. Today, we're talking about meditation, but we're also hoping to avoid some of the the woo hokiness the woo woo the yeah. woo woo that's what i've heard a lot of places i haven't actually said it out loud until just this moment and i feel weird saying woo or woo woo but there's something to be said for getting away from like that whole piece of meditation because it has all these connotations and that's not at all why i've started looking into it um i think that you have you have some interesting thoughts along those lines but we'll get to it as we talk through right. so i think i wanted to kick off with like a meditation update from where I'm at, unless you have anything to say right up front about the subject. No, no, not really. I mean, it's been a while that this has been on our back burner. Like this is a topic that consistently gets put back, like, well, not put back, but pushed back every week when something more timely comes up that we can talk about. So we've actually had a lot more time to to think about this one than we did before. And you've been able to move through different apps that you had mentioned even a couple of months ago. So I'm really interested to see where you fall in you know in terms of everyday practice and that kind of stuff oh yeah totally so that's probably a good place to start is that i've deleted almost every app that i've tried and i tried a lot i think last time i talked i tried like a handful i think by now i've tried like 10 all in and i've deleted all of them except for two so i have headspace and i have insight timer and i have them for like very specific reasons um but from a high level headspace is like my preferred one for guided meditation and then insight timer as an app it has a lot of like a ton of just free courses and guided meditations and they they're constantly putting new free ones up and if you want you can pay for some or subscribe to some or not um and there were just so many, but I couldn't find any in Insight Timer that clicked with me. So the thing about Insight Timer that kept it on my phone, that I'm still using it as an app, is that it is great at customizing your own timers. And if you want to customize a timer for like ambient noise or some kind of like background music for meditation, um, but customizing timers in it is mainly what I'm doing. Like you can even customize like if you want to get like a, a notice at the halfway point, you know, without it counting down mm. constantly. And you can customize like which noise it does when. So you can do like different bells, different chimes, different. They have a ton of different options. There's like wood blocks, like anything that you would typically think of as like a meditative, nice noise. Um, they probably have it in that app. So if I want something that's unguided, that's just like unstructured, I'm just going to take time and try to meditate on my own. I open Insight Timer. If I want something that's guided, I'm opening up Headspace. And that's kind of where I'm at with apps right now. I don't think I've used Insight Timer in a very long time. I'm actually re-downloading it right now after hearing that because I don't think that this is going to be an app for me. That especially with just the way that the timers work and being notified, because that's kind of not how I approach meditation unless it's guided, that uh, Headspace is one of my go-tos, and my other one is 10% Happier. I've mentioned that one in the past because I love the classes and the uh, the personalities that they have on there. I say personalities, but it's not. Re- but I don't mean it as in these people, as in using it as a proper proper a collective noun. I mean it. I actually like the 
people who are teaching the courses personalities that uh, they click with me like uh, like I like who they are. Those are the two that work for me. But given the way that you're talking about Insight Timer, I could see myself using it for, like you said, background noise, because usually I get on Spotify and type in something like Japanese pan flutes or, you know, meditation or whatever, and just pick at random different kinds of music different kinds of instrumental music yeah and it totally has all of that built in and you can time it out for however long you want you know use it as a timer or just like a background noise generator it has a lot of good options with that i just wouldn't recommend it if you're looking for guided because there are better options out there for that now headspace is kind of expensive that you can i mean a year of it is i think 56 dollars, and a month of it is i want to say 12.99 and there's a little bit of free stuff on there, but not a whole lot. And my year, uh, my free year that I'd found a code for has run out. So I haven't been using it nearly as much lately because of that. Do you pay for it or is it an on again, off again kind of thing for you? It's been on again, off again. I've thought about paying for it a couple times. Um, so I guess one of the tips that I would give is that I've, I haven't paid for it yet. And there's plenty there for me to work with, with just the free offerings. There's a lot more if you want to pay. But one of the other things I've noticed is that because I've been dragging my feet on paying for it, I keep getting better and better offers from them. So if you sign up and then just wait a while, like for a while they were offering me 25% off and I was getting 30% off. Last week I started getting 40% off offers and it's always limited time deal, exclusive deal. But like I work in digital marketing. I know exactly how this works. If I wait longer, I'm going to get another deal. Like it's fine. So that's another way to approach it is to like sign up and then just like eh, kind of wait a while. Like you'll get a good deal. You don't have to pay the full price. Yeah. Going through the free stuff is absolutely a viable strategy for it. And it's really that's what got me into doing it to begin with was the 10 percent happier app had a free I don't remember how many days it was back then. And then you paid $10 and unlocked the rest of it at the time. And so I just bought the entire like 30 hour course or whatever. And so the one time price worked for me uh, rather than a monthly fee. Once I got through going through the uh, the free stuff as many times as I wanted to and realized that, yeah, I want this. Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm getting with Headspace. Like if I keep doing the free stuff over and over, I feel like eventually I'll end up paying for it. I just don't know when and what price it'll get me and but I could see it. I could see it at some point in the future, right? Like it's not, if you're paying it for it all at once, it's, it is like $60 out of pocket, 50 or $60. Yeah. But if you're looking at it over the cost of a year, it's not all that much money. You're talking about like $5 a month. It's not the end of the world. So yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. It's not that bad. Um, so I, I kind of want to talk about like why meditate, because this is one where I think that I come to it from very different places than you do. And so it might just be worthwhile for people to hear from us about like why we're even thinking about this and like why like I'm trying to get into it and you've been doing it off and on for a while. So I think I've been doing it around three and a half years. Um, For those everybody who for people out there who don't know, I've got pretty severe anxiety that I deal with and uh, I've got bipolar type 2, which I didn't know was a thing until I was diagnosed as bipolar type 2, uh, where it's not the uh, the manic and depressive phases uh, 
kind of on a whim like people tend to think of. It's very long periods of hypomania, very long periods of depression, and so it's really hard to uh, to diagnose. And uh, along with a separate severe anxiety disorder that just exacerbates things. So all of this kind of came to a head in 2016, uh, late 2015, and I started seeing a counselor. And uh, during that time, I was having going through a lot of changes at work. I had uh, Dolores Umbridge basically become my boss, and it was it was just terrible. And, and we were having a lot of personal issues going on in our lives, and I was just not able to. I was just not able to deal with any of it. And so I started kind of losing my mind. Like it was to the point where I was like crying under my desk at work and having panic attacks in uh, the cars I drove. Like it was really bad. And so I was just getting overwhelmed with it. And I started listening to the audio book 10% Happier by Dan Harris. And I'm sure you guys have heard me mention that before. But when I was reading this and it was uh, about meditation and how he had overcome having panic attacks on... uh, I think it was Good Morning America, where uh, we just have one on air. I was like, this is exactly the kind of stuff I'm dealing with. And if it helped him, that I need to try. So when I started doing it, using it from there and being really uh, identifying with the the situation that that book brought up, it really has gotten to the point now where it's kept me from getting overwhelmed with everything in my life. That when I'm feeling everything kind of crashing down, I can always take that step back and know that I have now have a tool to be able to deal with that. Well, one of the things about this having a tool is that it, it's taught me how to sit in discomfort, which is something I've never been able to do before. That I started moving toward this when I started losing all of my weight back in 2010 because I didn't exercise because it made me uncomfortable. I didn't like to sweat, so I got to be over 300 pounds. And I started having to basically force myself to deal with that to the point where I was almost desensitized to it and it didn't bother me anymore. And it became where running was was really meditative for me. And meditation itself, like as a as a structured practice, has done the same thing where the the idea of sitting in discomfort that that anything that seems unbearable, I can pretty much now sit through without losing my mind, having a panic attack or or bursting at the seams and getting angry and ruining mine and my wife's day or week or month or even our year. Uh, and it's up uh, and but it, it is it, when something seems unbearable, I can sit and deal with that discomfort in a productive way. I can start focusing that energy uh, and my the energy in me. I mean, I'm not even saying like hokey spiritual woo-woo energy. I mean, actually focusing the energy that I'm feeling into something, pouring that attention into something that I'm actively doing, as opposed to just freaking out and thinking about how uncomfortable I am. And it happens for me both physically and, and, and mentally, where if something is weighing on my mind, I can do it. And like, if my foot is asleep and I'm not able to shuffle myself, I can actually go through these same kinds of exercises and these practices that I've learned to be able to be like, it's not the end of the world, man. 
it's good. Just sit here for a second. This is going to be over in a minute, and you're going to not hurt in a second. Like it's it's okay, and it's like any kind of discomfort, and it's really really helped me, and and honestly changed my life. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, it's awesome that you found a tool that works so well for you to do all of that. And like I've heard that from other people too, just for like mental health purposes, why you would start to meditate and learn how to meditate and like use it in that manner that you're talking about. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that I never that every time like we, we started out with going the ohm thing that that's what everybody thinks of at first when you think about meditation when you're first if you're not into meditation that's the first thing that probably comes to mind is somebody sitting cross-legged or in the lotus position uh, with their eyes closed their fingers uh, their the tips of their fingers together chanting and that's not really what it is is and so it it's the more i've gotten into it the more i've realized just how scientific it is like there's a lot of science to why this works for people and how different it is from what just about anybody who's not ever looked into it would think that it is yeah and like those ones that are super spiritual right off the bat that are about that kind of thing that you're talking about, right? The stereotypical, like, oh, you're going to have a mantra, you're going to have like a religious experience or a spiritual awakening or whatever. Those are all of the apps that I bounced off of within like minutes of starting them. And I deleted and yeah. I never went back to. Like, that's not at all what I want. It's not at all the kind of person that I am. It just, it wouldn't work for me. And I knew that. So the reason that like I was coming to meditation is that it for me it's not as much of a mental thing even though i have seen some mental benefits out of it um but for the most part it's like a physical thing because right. i don't physically relax enough i i'm really bad at relaxing my body and i carry all of my stress like physically like in my muscles and it's just something right. that like it, i've always done it that's the way i am a lot of my family members are the same way um but i've gotten all sorts of like I wouldn't say compliments, but like feedback at work and in general in life, people are like, you don't get phased by anything. You don't get angry. You don't get whatever. <laughs> and the thing is I do because I'm human, right? I feel those feelings, but I don't let those surface. Like they don't come out verbally and like people don't notice them because all of it goes straight into my muscles and I just carry it as tension. And it's not a good thing, but it's the way I am. I know that I'm that way. Um, so meditation for me is really about like taking time to like make my body relax because it won't do it if I don't stop everything else that I'm doing and think about like physically relaxing. So part of this is the fact that I'm just going nonstop every day. Like my typical day right now, I go from 520 when I wake up and that's if I wake up with my alarm. Usually I'm waking up before my alarm because I'm just like worried about missing my alarm. That's a great way to start right. your day. Um, and I go until like nine o'clock at night, like 9 p.m., maybe 8 p.m. if it's a good day without stopping. And, you know, it's either for most of it, it's work mode. And then part of it towards the end of the day is dad mode um, until my kids are actually like down all the way for the night. So it's it's pretty much nonstop. And there are days where like as soon as the kids are down, I'm back on my computer working. There are days where like as soon as I get home from work, I'm back on my computer working in my office at home. It's just the nature of my job and the nature of like where I'm at in life right now. Um, so 
10 minutes at a time or five minutes at a time is sometimes extremely hard to carve out for me. It's kind of a miracle that we've done this podcast every week consistently, honestly. Yeah, it is. And it's like, this is the only break generally that is regular for you. Oh, that yeah. When you totally. tell me that you've taken PTO or a long weekend or something, it, it always shocks me that it's like, what's going on? Like, is there something wrong or or are you burned out or what happened? Because it's so unlike you to to schedule anything other than this this is kind of that one uh, respite that you give yourself right so for me like meditation i was completely coming to it for that physical aspect like i need to take time that is devoted to absolutely nothing else except just like unhunching my shoulders like that's where i start every time is like right. okay just like tell my body just stop because that's where i'm naturally going um so i'm attacking it from that way and like i said there's some like mental benefits like it's nice to clear mind like i usually feel better mentally slightly afterwards but that's not the core of it for me and for me i'm almost a little jealous of you of being able to approach it that way because whenever i i don't even know how to put this the right way i feel Everything I can feel as much as I can feel it all the time is the way that I've put it to a lot of people. And I don't. So whenever I do have something go on, like you say, people look at you and being unfazed. Uh, they're the exact opposite with me. They say something and just wait on whatever my wild reaction is going to be, that it, it could be any number of things. And it's it's fairly unpredictable, which is where meditation really helps me, because physically I'm fairly loose in general. I'm fairly easy to just lie around and not do anything and not really feel terribly tense it's uh, the mental thing for me where uh, my brain never stops and that's where the meditation helps me where if I uh, the actual sitting down and doing it kind of thing that's the easier part for me where I would much rather the the physical aspects of it be something that were easier to work on than the the mental part of it for me uh it's it, it so that's why we approach it differently. It's like, yeah, I have tense shoulders sometimes, but it's more of the time that I'm sitting here worrying, keeping myself up at night because of something rather than uh like not being able to move because I've kept all of my tension in my body. Yeah, it's so interesting that we're coming at it from just different angles, but we're both seeing like benefits to it. Yeah, and my wife does the same thing as you. Like she holds everything in her upper back that masseuses masseurs i'm not honestly sure what the the uh the the plural of this is but they've told her that uh that her back is just a just ridged uh whenever she's tense that she just holds everything so tightly and uh so yoga and meditation both have been just just godsends for her you know and and me saying that with uh, the yoga included um we went to a meditation practice session uh with a yoga teacher uh we have a place called shoals yoga and uh, the teacher danielle snotty uh, um, S-N-O-D-D-Y is what it was, not snotty. Um, but uh, she was telling us uh, that meditation, we were doing this meditation, and uh, it was about a 30-minute meditation. So it was definitely not a beginner's class like she had put it out to be, which I know you and I are going to talk about a little bit later. But a 30-minute meditation is a long time for someone who is not used to doing it. And so we went into this, and we we did this, and, and I did it, and Jennifer was with me. And at the end of that, she says, now this is when you're ready to do yoga. This is where initially yoga was uh, 
meditation was used to prepare your mind and body to get ready for that movement uh, so that you uh, can kind of get in line with what you the meditation itself is a preparation for your mind and body to uh, to get used to the kind of stress that you're going to be putting on it through the yoga and uh, it can help open you up and i found the same thing that meditating after doing yoga really isn't nearly as fulfilling as it is when I do it before. And uh, then I'm already in that mindset and can focus. I'm used to focusing on the breath and the movements far more than I am otherwise. Like, I'm really glad that Danielle told us about that. That's super interesting. I mean, I could I could totally see it, right? But also, it's not where I would initially go with it. But right. yeah, yeah, I buy it. I mean, I guess... One of the pain points here for me is that I just like have trouble finding time to do it and dedicating time to it. That's the biggest struggle, honestly. Do you I figure you have tips and tricks for this because you've been doing it longer than I have. Generally, whenever uh, uh, you you had this in the notes as a question like that, and my response for everybody out there listening was, yes, of course, I always have opinions. And uh, that I made myself giggle um, because I just now read it again. And um, like I do it right before I start work. Or like whenever I need a break from work and right before bed. Like these are the main times whenever I'm able to really work out and carve out just any time to do it because it's not something it because it doesn't have to be in a special place that I've learned from reading so much, from listening to so many talks and audiobooks and just everything about this, that one of the biggest misconceptions is that you have to be in this special place to get in this special mindset during the a special carved out period of time for yourself and that's not true like it doesn't matter if you're sitting cross-legged with your with your back straight up and down in the lotus position on a yoga mat and with with pan flutes playing you can be in your office chair closing your eyes in front of your monitor for 30 seconds and focusing on your breathing to try to just make sure that that's the only thing that you're focusing on like that's the entire thing about meditation for me is that it's and, and just in general from what I've read is that it is it's not about the ritual of it it's about the stillness and focus of it so whether you do that for 30 minutes like Danielle had us do in the class or if you you know you go into your open office at work and put in headphones and stare at a pixel on your screen for 30 seconds and just focus on you breathing those have the same result that that you're focusing on that stillness for as long as you can and uh, it doesn't have to be anything really set aside and that's what helps me during the day i get what you're saying and i like it but also i think you very highly under anticipate what an open office is actually like these days like i don't I wish that I could take time like I know you do right now because you work from home like there's no one else around like you can take time if you need to in your day. There's just like there's no time and there's no space in a modern open office environment to do that. And I wish there was like that'd be great. Even cubicles, even if you have cubicles, you are way ahead of the game compared to where I am at the moment. Like our office is completely open. It's like 70 or 80 people that are all just 100% open to each other. It's just desks in a giant room. And it's hard. It's hard to like find time and to get away and to mentally do anything in that space, honestly. I can see that. I mean, that that's actually more people in your office than I thought there were. I was expecting it to be about 30 people, 
was uh, in just the one office that y'all have. And I mean, I can totally see that. And honestly, that's one of the things that uh, that I think might help you if you just I'm sure there are times where you have to stop and think for a little bit, aren't there? Yes, but usually I will get someone will need something or someone else need like it's it's nonstop in the open office and I'm constantly getting interrupted. So if I need uninterrupted time to actually stop and think, that's one of the reasons that I work at home so much after work is because like I, I can actually you. get away and I can like okay, I'm not going to get interrupted. I can focus on something. Yeah, and that was something I did uh, when I was in the learning center that we had it wasn't obviously 70 people, but we would we had all the computers and students running in and out my work studies and and just everything where there were still times where I had to be at the front desk and I just stared at the whiteboard. And just breathed while nobody was asking for me. No phone was ringing and uh, nothing like that, where in my mind, it's just stealing whatever moments or seconds that you can to to bring yourself back to to that center uh, to try to stop pulling your attention everywhere. Because that's one of the biggest things for me is my attention gets pulled everywhere. And like that's one thing you're talking about is people always needing something like even a few seconds for me of being able to can really change the way that I'm holding myself. Yeah. No, I mean, for a lot of people, you could do that. I don't know if I'm one of the people who can get away with that at the moment, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Really, some of the best meditations that I've had have been from running or while I'm driving, not necessarily where... Not necessarily where I've set aside time to do it or even decided to do it, but I've been running and I realized that what I was doing by focusing on my footfalls, by focusing on my breathing and my posture, it was every single thing that you do when you get ready for meditation or as you're meditating, except I was just running down the road that I may have been listening to Fallout Boy instead of Zen meditation playlists on Spotify. But whatever it was, it was that same kind of I am right here moment where it's this is where I'm at. This is what I'm doing. And everything kind of just gels together and your mind stops thinking about things. And but at the same time, you're you're still thinking about everything like it's really strange. But that's what the meditative state while running does for me. It's uh, just really about being aware of the things around you and uh, that that end in you like that. And uh, the same while I'm driving, like I was I would have panic attacks driving to work like it was terrible. Like I had a 90 minute commute one way. And uh, so it was really bad for me to uh, and it was highway driving. Like that's the other thing. Like it wasn't traffic. Generally, it was long stretches of four-lane country highway uh, going through, so it was very rarely dealing with traffic. So I was just kind of cruising for for an hour and a half, and sometimes I would really freak out, and I would put my hands at 10 and 2. I would breathe, and I would focus specifically on the line in the road and my breathing. Like, that would be the only thing that I focused or thought about, and that was some of the most, uh, I don't even want to say liberating, but just most effective thinking time of being able to put everything in one place that I've had, even over, you know, being able to set time aside and do it before bed or in the morning or anything like that. Yeah, so as much as, like, I'm pushing back on you in the office stuff, because, again, modern open offices are they can get a little extreme. Um, 
I 100% can see these other things that you're mentioning, like in the car, you know, on a freeway, if there's no traffic, or even if you're in traffic, if you're like at a stoplight, like I could catch a couple seconds there Um, or something like running. Like I could 100% go for a walk, go for a run. I could see getting into kind of starting to get into that meditative state of mind, even if you're not like all the way trying to meditate. But there are similarities there that I know completely what you're talking about. Yeah, and that's the that's the whole thing about the running one is that I never try to like go in and like I'm going to go run and meditate at the same time. It's it's never anything like that. It just happens to be that's the way that I feel. Like I'm going through the same motions and uh, it just makes me focused and aware. Like that's really where meditation has has helped me more than anything that instead of having uh like I said all of my feeling everything uh, that I can feel all the time as much as I can feel it is I'm aware of everything. Like I'm able to focus in and be aware of that stuff and then do something productive with it, which is how meditation has really helped me and changed my life. Yeah. And I mean, I think that we've basically been able to talk about this without getting any into like any of the spiritual mysticism, any of that stuff that like you and I generally just try to avoid with meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, I want those practical benefits, like for me physically, for you, like mentally, but without getting into some kind of like crazy religion or way of life or mumbo jumbo or like woo woo, you know, like avoiding that factor that I've heard so much about. And it seems like you, you have an interesting perspective because like you've gotten into some of it and then realized it wasn't for you, but then you found pieces of it that are like philosophy that work for you that aren't necessarily religious or spiritual, right? Yeah. So I grew up, I'm, I'm from Tennessee. I live in Alabama, which is, you know, hardcore Bible belt, uh, church on every street corner is the way that we joke about it because it kind of is. And we, um, like I grew up Mormon. And so I was very religious growing up, and I'm not religious now. And so when I was listening to 10% Happier, the whole thing is that Dan Harris isn't religious, and he had always evolved. He had always avoided the the meditation and yoga and everything because of that spiritual side to it, because of the woo-woo. And I, when I saw that it was meditations for fidgety skeptics, I was like, okay, I'm, I will I will buy in and give this a shot. And, you know, it worked. Like, all he was talking about in the book, all the stuff that I was reading outside of that, listening to Joseph Goldstein, uh, just doing, just listening to everything that I could about the non, about the secular side of it, about the scientific side of it, that you can go look up whether you're, uh, no matter what your background is and what you, how you want to approach it, there are neurological benefits to the way that your brain works while you're meditating and after, that you can see peer-reviewed studies that have been replicated. I mean, this isn't one of those studies that you get out there that's been funded by big meditation and nobody else can replicate the results to get headlines. This is something that happens over and over and over again in uh, various studies, different controls. It's, it is 100% true that this stuff works. And so me not being religious was really drawn to that. And the more I kept reading, the more I kept listening, uh, the more I kept doing it, uh, the spiritual side started getting me more interested. And I'm I'm saying that with as little uh, religiousness and as little uh, belief system-y uh, stuff in it as I can, because it wasn't so much the spiritual 
spiritual part of it. Like it wasn't any kind of existential uh, mysticism about it, that it was really the philosophical part of it all, that uh, specifically the Buddhism part. And um, I know that it's really trendy for uh, for millennial white people to be like, oh, I'm Buddhist now. And it, that that is not where I'm coming from. But I started reading up a lot on Buddhism because of this. I started uh, a lot of the teachers that I liked their guided meditations the most uh, were Buddhist and they had a Buddhist background. And um, as I did this, uh, the basic and most fundamental recurring theme uh, of all of it, from the meditations to the teachings to uh, to to from the spiritual side to the secular side, uh, what basically came down to we get to do this one time, so we need to make the most of it and be nice to people. Like of all the stuff, like the reason that you focus in on meditation, it all generally came back to that. The that we get to do it. We get one life. We need to be here for it, and we need to be nice to each other. And that really, really stuck with me because that's not something that I get from the practice of it personally, but it's more of a motivation to do it because it's like I want to be a nicer person I want to be nice because inherently I'm really kind of a jerk that that my default is being cynical and and kind of mean to people that I'm I'm really judgmental and I'm really really not a I don't even what's the word here I'm not optimistic by default and so m- meditation is something where I want to be that way and meditation can help me through that by being aware of everything that's going on in my life if if that makes any kind of sense but the more i read about it that's what stuck with me that made me keep doing this like even today just sitting around it's like i'm gonna breathe a little bit and it's like i'm right here i'm on my couch i'm okay if i don't finish this article today and i turn it in in the morning like nothing is going to explode just you're okay kind of thing that's what that's what really stuck out with me well that's huge and like i mean hopefully it's been obvious through our talk here that like you can dive deeper into it or you can go surface level and you can still get like all of these benefits and if you choose to you can engage with like that philosophy and that spiritual side or if you just don't have time to you don't have to either so I mean, I think with all of that said, like the way that we should wrap this up is like if people are interested, how do they get started? So you did this completely uh, on I don't want to say on your own, like this was something you had an idea about and you wanted to try out. So like you did the massive amount of research on it, right? You approached it in the void way of doing things. Or did you see something that you're like, yeah, I should do that and then springboard it off of that? No, it was more like that. It was like, yeah, I should probably do this. There's probably a benefit here for me if I find the right approach or the right app. So let me just download like 10 or 15 and then rapidly just try them and just reject them as they don't work for me. So that's why I got to sample so much of it and then like move on to the ones that actually ended up working. So for me, I would recommend start small. And honestly, the best place to start after trying all of these ones that I tried, um, I would recommend Headspace. Like Headspace is a great place to start. And if you start with the five minute one, that's all you need to do. And it's guided meditation. You have to do zero prep, literally download the app, put in your headphones and just try it. And you only need Mm -hmm. five minutes of time. Hopefully you can find uninterrupted time. Um, 
and that's it. Like, it's not a huge commitment. And that's how I started. And I still do five minutes sometimes because sometimes that's all I have. I'm kind of, you know, once I got more comfortable, whenever I can, I try to do 10 minutes. Um, and so that's probably the next step. If you do five minutes and you like it and you've done it a bunch, you're like, okay, let's step it up to 10 minutes. But it's not one of those things where, you know, some people are like, oh, I'm like, you know, I, I looked it up. I did some research. There are people who are into this like hyper meditation where it's like, I meditated for eight hours and I found my new center. Like, don't do that. Like, that's not what you're here to no. do. You're here for like five minutes. Like, that's all you need to start with. So if you're interested, that's 100% where I would recommend you go. Yeah, absolutely. And Headspace is great for that because it is quick, easy, and designed specifically to get people involved as quickly as possible with as little friction as possible. And so for me, I think that uh, to get started, that you need to get in your mind that it's most likely not what you think meditation is. Ooh, that's that a really most- good point. Yep, 100%. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something that I had to do. I know you probably had to do when you were uh, being a little pushed away from, pushed, not even pushed away, um, when you were at a distance from it. And yeah, just totally. change your mind, just change your mind, y'all, on what you think meditation is and go in as, as blank as you can with an open mind. Um, I really suggest reading or listening to 10% happier the book because I've had such a good, a good run with it. Like it really did. Like I can, I can honestly say that as an English teacher, this is one of the few books that I could honestly say changed my life that uh, this one alone, I can't say that about many, if any other books, but this one specifically changed the way I live my life. Um, It's a podcast as well. So if any of you listening, just open up whatever you're listening to us on and just download it and see if you like the podcast. There are guided meditations on there uh, every so often for free. Um, So you can try it that way too. If even downloading an app is too much for you, you can do it in the same app you're in right now. Um, like he said, like Void said, uh, the apps help. Um, Headspace is great. I just downloaded Insight Timer to give a shot for the same things that you're using it for. Uh, they're absolutely fantastic uh, to use those. Take advantage of the tools you have. And uh, remember that you're not committing hours a day to this. Just like he said, you're not committing eight hours a day. You're not going into some silent meditation retreat for two weeks. You might have 30 seconds. You might have five minutes, and if you get used to that and that's something that you feel like you're getting something from, you increase it, just like he said, and uh, you you can do it for a minute. You can do it right now. When our mu- closing music plays and the promos are done, then, you know, before your next podcast starts, try it. Like, you're not going to—you can't do it wrong. That's the thing. Like, the the— one of the big teachings that that all of the guided meditations, all of the the lectures, everything says that they're, they call this practice for a reason. The same thing with yoga. It's because you're not ever, unless you are the Buddha, unless you are Siddhartha Gautama, you are not going to achieve enlightenment. I mean, that is not something that you're going to sit there for and, and and do it perfectly. Your mind's going to wander. You go back to your breath. Every single person fails at this. That that's the entire point of it is failing. It's kind of like Captain Marvel, the uh, the the Marvel movie. The entire point is getting back up again. The entire point is is failing, seeing and noticing that you failed, so that you can start again. And if you go in with a mindset of you can't win this, you can just continually do better and make yourself feel better. That's that's what it was that helped me. 
Yeah, be like Captain Marvel. There we go. Be like Captain Marvel. That's nice. that's not where I thought this was going to end, but I think it's a good place to <laughs> yeah, be Carol Danvers. Okay. Um, we should take a quick break for our geeky offer of the week this week. What do we have? Uh, this week, we're going to talk about PodCoin again. Just remember, y'all, you can go to podcoin.com, download a new podcast app where you get paid to podcast. Uh, it's really, really cool. There are bonus podcasts, which we tend to be one of them on there for talking about it like this, where you get more PodCoin to uh, listen to them. Uh, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Uh, and that just means that you earn points, you earn these coins, that you can then turn into gift cards or charitable donations. So it's really, really cool. Use the code GEEK at uh, registration or in your settings, and you'll get a little bit extra on us. You're welcome. Yeah, around the network this week, um, Geekitude, they had an interview podcast with somebody else on the network, which was awesome. I love when they rope other people in. So it was Ray and Joe like normal, and they had Tridal Power on, and they did a full like hour, hour and a half. They just talked about Marvel's Phase 4 Comic-Con announcements, and it was amazing to just listen to them geek out about that. Um, and then Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea this week, they talked about the comic series Man Eaters, which is fascinating. And then Rob's episode came out this week, the Sometimes Rob episode. One of the sometimes was this week. Um, it was all about the Eternals. So it's kind of a throwback to the comic box where he did a lot of just like background on what the Eternals are, what have some of their runs been, and then some speculating around like what is the movie probably going to be based on based on what he knows, and he knows a lot. And then, of course, around the network, Troidal himself streams on Thursday mornings. Capsule J streams Tuesdays from 8 to 11 p.m. Eastern and sometimes Thursdays and weekends. And then we have the Geekery where we, you can read all sorts of bloggy type stuff. What was on the blog this week? Uh, the blog we have, Austin's Dragon Quest Quest, is talking about Dragon Quest Eight, which is a lot of people's first entry into the series. And the 13th story is always writing about cool video game stuff. I don't know what this week's was, but it was interesting because I've never read one that's not, honestly. And that's not even a dig uh, bias thing because of us. It's just I like his articles. Yeah, he has good writing. Um, and of course, you can go to geekgeekmedia.com slash subscribe if you want to subscribe and just get all that stuff in your inbox. You don't have to hunt it down. Um, for Weekly Geekery this week, what have you been geeking out about? This week, I've been doing two things. I've been playing Dragon Quest Builders 2 and finishing it up and playing some of the post game. Um, and I have been playing just a ton way more than i thought of fire emblem three houses uh like i love this game like last week you convincing me to buy it has been one of the best gaming decisions i've made in a long time oh that's awesome that's so good like the post game of dragon quest got me like i've spent like probably 75 hours in this game already like it's great like i'm loving just building my castle i'm working on a sky fortress i've not even hit every island in the game yet like this is a sandbox builder game that is keeping me going well beyond what I expected it to. Super happy with this game. Like, it's great. There's a really, really bad part in it where you, like, the third island is just terrible. Lasts way too long. Not fun, really, at all. The entire rest of the game is amazing. I can't recommend it enough. But I know that you have Fire Emblem Three Houses, so I'm not going to dig in on mine yet until we can just go into it as a topic right here with yours. So what else did you do? Okay, so, I mean, other stuff that wasn't Fire Emblem this week... 
Um, I finished uh, Boss Fights books. I'm trying to get back to doing more reading because I've been really bad at it this year just because I've been way too busy. But um, I went and I read through the KOTOR books, The Knights of the Old Republic, and it was really interesting. It was a really good look behind the scenes, the production and how it came to be and the challenges of working with like Lucasfilm and LucasArts and all of that kind of stuff. So that was really cool. And then um, I started a new podcast and I've been going through the backlog. It's called Clear and Vivid with Alan Alda. Hmm. And it's all about like communication and connection and science. And it's just fascinating conversations, but it's the kind of thing that I'm into. So that was really good, too. Besides that, it's mostly just been Fire Emblem. Honestly, I've been playing a bunch of it. Yeah, I didn't actually know how much you were playing. Like you and I have apparently been playing at different times. So I haven't had the uh, the the void playing Fire Emblem pop up in the corner of my screen, except for one time when I thought you were doing it at work on your lunch hour. And it turns out one of your kids must have turned on the switch. And I was like, oh, what you doing? And you're like, I don't know what you're talking about, man. I was like, I'm in a meeting. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I had no idea what you're talking about. But yeah, but, the kid uh, must have turned it on. I haven't on. seen you on. So how much have you played? Like, how far into the game are you now? I don't know. I haven't actually looked at how many hours in that I am. I think I'm around like chapter, I don't know, somewhere between seven and 10. I'm not at the time okay. jump. I haven't gotten to the time jump yet. So I'm okay. getting closer to it, though. Yeah, I'm getting closer to it. I'm probably around the same place that you are. I think I just started chapter 10 a little bit ago before I started recording this. So I'm I'm at about 22 hours, I think, right now. And uh, I'm adoring this game. Like, I'm going to go back and play Awakening and Fates, at least. That, that There's no way that I'm not after this. Like, it is so good that I don't even know what it is about this that's grabbed me. But I love recruiting characters that I know I'm not going to get all of them. But recruiting these characters is really, really, really fun for me to get them and pull them out of their other houses. Oh, yeah. It's a huge part of the game. It has been ever since I've been playing it, like figuring out how to get new characters and get more characters and then how to have them grow and up their support levels and all that kind of stuff. It's always been fun and challenging but like engaging like oddly engaging yeah and it's like i can't figure out why it's engaging it's like because i don't even like most of these characters it's like some of them are really really interesting and i know that i'm not going to play probably with any of the ones that i recruit outside of just a couple of them but i want them i want them in my house i don't want i'm I'm pretty sure the time jump happens i mean it's i haven't even read about it but i'm pretty sure we talked about it last week with it's most likely war breaks out and then these other houses are going to be the opposing armies and it's like i don't want to kill these people i went to school with and so i want to have them on my team to keep them safe even if i don't like them yeah exactly and there are certain characters you can't recruit because i'm sure they play a part on the opposite side after the time jump like, right it just makes sense logically but there's a ton of interesting stuff around like supports and getting your support levels up and that goes hand in hand with recruiting people one of the things i really like in this game is that like support in a battle is way more clear than it's ever been in the past fire emblem games that i've played so right now okay yeah if you like go and you go to attack somebody um you will see based on who's around you who else is attacking that enemy like anybody who's close in the perimeter of like your character you will see exactly the support people that will like weigh in that you have the potential to like have a support up with and you right. see that like in the corner before you even do the attack so it lets you know if you're doing an action or an attack that's going to increase your support level in battle 
you could always increase your support through battle, but it was never clear like this before. It was like, I think I'm doing the right thing because I'm near them, but I don't know 100%. So this is way, way better than that's ever been. And I, having never played it, this was just intuitive and it worked. That There was not even a learning curve for that. It was, hey, you stand beside them, you do this, this is how it all works. And I'm like, yep, that shows it right there, I'm good. Where there was, it wasn't a complicated system, and it could have been. That strategy RPGs tend to overcomplicate things, and this one really didn't. This one is great for beginners, where I don't know if the others necessarily were. They've gotten, each one has gotten better for beginners, which is really interesting to see that they keep going down that path and it's totally the right thing that they should be doing. And But it doesn't keep... seem to be taking any of the complexity away either. No, that no, it doesn't it's not. seem to be like dumbing it down. It's just making it more accessible, which is great design. Yeah, it's more UX stuff, more UI things, choices that make, that kind of surface some things to the player that make it more obvious which is all beneficial when you're a new player, I think totally. And they're adding other things too, like adjuncts. Adjuncts are a super interesting idea that didn't exist really before this game. Have you done much of that yet? Like the adjutants that you put on uh, like a character who's basically supporting another character in battle? Yes. So you can do that and it'll like increase their support ranks together just by doing your normal actions and stuff. And you have to have a certain support rank with them to be able to do it to begin with. And then it ups it from there, but it also ups their combat level, too. So if you have a character who you don't necessarily want in this battle, but you want to level up, you can attach them basically as a squire, as an adjutant to the to the main hero or to another character, and they gain experience as that character does. It's yeah. really, really useful for characters who come in a little bit lower than you. It's a super smart idea. And then, I mean, I kind of touched on a bunch of things that I was unclear about last week just because I wasn't far enough in the game. But like battalions, like I kind of suspected last week, it's basically just a glorified weapon. Like it, yeah. it might as well be like a sword or, a you know, an item or whatever. It's just another way that you can interact with the world after your character moves. And then you can refresh them by like, you know, instead of repairing it, you're like you're re whatever it is you're filling it back Rest, up with people re, 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 yeah refreshing it's it you know what i mean i don't um, use them very much so i actually don't remember if it's revitalizing refreshing refilling i don't know it's something like that um and then the blacksmith is basically what you would think it is like you can repair weapons after they get damaged you can also do things like you can forge them up to a higher level so if you have a steel mm -hmm. sword and it's down to like you know the durability is down to like five out of 50 you can either refresh it up to 50 out of 50 or you can do something like turn it into a steel sword plus that will do more damage have better stats and it'll also revitalize it at the same time it'll get all the charges of it back and then oh i didn't know that that i've never done i've always repaired it and then reforged it which is why i'm probably very low on smithing stones and other things yeah you can just reforge it and then it gets all of its charges back so cool then you don't cool, have to cool, 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 waste cool. as many cool. um and then things like relics so relics are like basically super weapons in the game but instead of they just don't function the same way in terms of durability as all the other weapons you actually have to like go out of your way to rest to recharge them but they're super powerful so basically i'm just kind of it's the like the elixir problem in final fantasy like i'm just not right. using my relic weapon because oh it's there for whenever i need a super weapon and i never really need it so i'm just not really using it you can repair and reforge them 
using certain uh certain materials that you can get that I was able to repair without resting. I've not actually had to take a rest day yet and it's because I've had just through questing and various things around the monastery turned up these particular uh whatever the stones were that I needed to uh repair it when it got down to like one oh cool no that's good that there's other options to interact with it yeah, too, so. i did not i wasn't going to use it at all if i had to rest i'm like i'm yeah. not wasting all of this social time it's like that sword's not worth it it's good to know that though because now now i'll go look for it and i'll actually start using it as a weapon which is cool um and then a couple of the other things like you said recruiting the non-house characters like i'm in the middle of that right now big time like i really want to recruit a bunch of people i'm not going to try to recruit all of them because honestly i'll probably play through this game multiple times so i'll see them all at some point or another but there's and definitely... there is a new game plus like yeah. you're saying that i did look and see that it's a new game plus uh, so that you can maintain different renown rewards and things like that there's definitely a handful of characters that i want to get over to my side before the time jump happens so i think i'm on the way to doing that which is awesome um i haven't really done advanced classes yet i'm not quite that far and then one of the things that i did want to highlight was like the support levels and the relationships once they get to that c level it's <laughs> some of them are hilarious because they are, i love them so much they have like the, the support conversations are one of my favorite part of the game and like the other fire emblem games because you get to see the characters grow alongside each other but because of the nature of it because you could get a support rank c on literally the last mission of the game or you could get it on like the second mission of the game so they have to be completely divorced from the main story it has to be like a self-contained story between those characters and in past games it's always had this like very familiar arc where it's like oh getting to know you a little bit getting to know you more and then they really get to know each other and then they're friends or whatever and in this game, I'm sure that most of them will end up as, like, friends or they get along or they understand each other better. But the C-rank ones specifically in this particular Fire Emblem, some of them are just hilarious because the characters just straight up hate each other in a way that I've never seen before in the other games. Like, there, it's not every time, but there is one that sticks out in my mind where it was like, do you want to view the support conversation? And of course I do because I love that part of the game. And it was basically like, oh, hey, my father killed your father. And the other person was like, what? Like, what? Like, They were just totally flabbergasted, thrown for a loop. And, and I, they just left. They just left. And then it's like support rank up. Like, see, it, it was it was so funny. Like, I can't believe it. It was, had it was you gotten perfect. To su- have you gotten to support rank B with that? I don't think I have with that one. Because I watched it today, actually. I got to, I know which one you're talking about, and I watched part B on that one. And it is a direct follow-up to that, where just like you said, they are moving through that issue. Like they're moving as people would try to deal with that in their situation. And so I'm I'm super interested in all of these, and I haven't been able to find enough time to watch all of them. Like, not even enough time in the game time that I have, but actual playing, it's a balance between watching all of the support ones and actually going through the game mechanics. And yeah, and I'll just, really... I always land on the side of like making time for the support conversations and reading every quest and like all the dialogue in the game. So I might actually be not as far as you because I haven't been doing as much of like the tactical strategy part. I'm doing a lot of the other stuff. I'm pretty I'm going through a lot of the socially the social stuff and I'm doing quite a few of the battles, too. Have you gotten to the paralogs yet? Yeah, paralogs are cool. So those have always existed in the game. Okay, it's it's ones that um, so there are side missions in Fire Emblem, but then also there are these things called paralog. You know this because you've been playing the game. I'm doing this for the listeners. Right. 
paralogs are side stories that are it's not just like a, a random side quest it's really a story to be told around one character or multiple characters and it fleshes out the world it fleshes out the characters but it's separate from support conversations and it's separate from the main story quest so technically they're optional but really you want to do every single paralogue as it comes up because it's so interesting and there are dates on them that say when they're going to expire so you don't have to prioritize them immediately you just need to be able to work your entire schedule to get it in sometime before it goes away and uh, like I've really enjoyed doing those and you get really cool stuff I've actually did done one uh, that got me two relics from one paralog um, I haven't used them yet because until you mentioned the relics I'd forgotten about them and uh, so I'm gonna go try them and see what happens but just doing stuff like that, I find myself really wanting to know about this world and these characters, which I didn't know if I was going to want to replay this game. And I'm fairly certain that I'm going to because I can completely see how it's going to be different on every single playthrough. Yeah, it's a really, really good game. I'm glad that you like it. I'm so glad that you got into it the way you did. Yeah, I did not. Like I said, I did not expect myself to get into this. Um, and I haven't been asking any questions to you because I've been trying to figure stuff out on my own. And I very, very rarely Googled something, uh, just the kind of things I needed to know, non-spoilery, things I should know before playing a Fire Emblem game kind of thing. And um it was that that I learned about mastering classes that I didn't realize how like abilities worked really like I'm used to games where you get an ability and you can use it but I never saw these new abilities that I was unlocking so it taught me how to go in that you have to go in on the menus and balance your skills and and get which which abilities you want and then master the class because it gives unique abilities that you can't get any other way before moving on even into a, a more advanced class that I had no idea about that stuff going in. I thought it was like, oh, I'm going to unlock a sniper from Archer, so I'm going to go and do that. But it's like, no, you didn't master Archer yet, so you need to get the stuff from it. And I had no idea that was a thing in Fire Emblem. Yeah, there's a lot of levels of depth to it. And it's it's one of those things where it's like, I didn't talk about it much on the podcast last week, and I probably don't want to go in depth right now because if I say it with words, it sounds overwhelming because there's so right. many different like nouns and like mastering versus like learning versus skills versus like what abilities you have equipped. But as soon as you see it in a menu and you're playing it in the game, it just all clicks. You're like, oh, I get it. Like it totally yep. makes sense how it all relates to each other, and it's super fun to interact with. Yep, absolutely. And as a as a complete newbie to this coming completely blank in terms of what to expect from fire emblem except for fire emblem heroes i am loving this and finding it very easy to fall into that the only thing that i knew yeah. going into on this was that i wanted some characters to be wyvern riders and they are now and that is basically what i brought from fire emblem heroes i was like cool i wanted pegasus knights and uh and wyvern riders and i got them Good. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I love this so much. And if y'all haven't, it's apparently hard to find. So I bought the digital version. And I'm glad that I did because I was seeing people talking about it on Discord today about how various uh, stores around them have been completely sold out. My buddy was looking for it. Uh, Adam uh, was either looking for it or something else, but he said he was in GameStop and somebody came in and asked for it and they were sold out this weekend. And uh, so apparently this has had a much uh, greater demand than Nintendo thought it was going to. 
That's awesome. I'm good. That bodes really, really well for the future of the series. And I love the series. So that's a great thing. And they've also, uh, if you've not, those of you, I mean, I'm not even talking directly to you, um, but I'm going to end up buying the season pass eventually. I'm not getting it yet because the first major piece of content comes out on Halloween. Um, they've actually got dates on the season pass page for when and what DLC is coming out for this. So it goes through, I want to say April of 2020, but they have dates set for exactly what kind of story content, what kind of quest content, what all is coming out. So if you uh, are interested in that, but don't want to spend all of it on the season pass right now, you don't really have to. Cool. That's very, very cool. I like knowing when stuff comes out for DLCs. uh, So I was really impressed that they've got actual dates instead of spring or something. Yeah, I love when they do that. It's great to know what you're buying into, basically. But I'm sure we'll have more Fire Emblem thoughts next week. For this week, that's probably it. But you guys can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address, as always, is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have longer discussion threads on the subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek2geekcast. We also have great discussions on Slack and Discord. So you can go to geek2geekmedia.com for invite links and you can hang out with us there. And while you're there, you can check out all the other content on the network i blog at agreenmushroom.com and you can find me at grn mushroom that's green mushroom without the e's on twitter and i'm on twitter as at professor beach that's beach with two e's and you can listen to me even more on the dragon quest fm podcast we've been void and beach with your geek to geek podcast that'll do it for this week see you next week geeks oh Hey Geeks, this is Capsule J. I'm a streamer on the Geek2Geek Media Network. If you like discovering new games and chatting with cool nerdy folks, be sure to check out my channel on Twitch. You can find it at twitch.tv slash CapsuleJ. That's C-A-P-S-U-L-E-J-A-Y. I stream a blend of indies, retro games, and RPGs most Tuesday nights from 8pm to 11pm Eastern, and occasionally on Thursdays and weekends. Hope to see you then! Hi! My name is Joe Hogan, and I'm a geek. And if you're currently listening to this, there's a good chance you're a geek, too. So check out my podcast, Geektitude. Each week, I talk with somebody about their geek aptitude. Sometimes I talk to people in a geeky profession. Sometimes it's someone doing something really cool with their geekiness. Often it's another geeky podcaster. But it's always someone who wants to share their inner geek. So join me each week as we come together to geek out about all the geeky stuff we love. And remember, this week, keep it geek. Hello friends, this is Troidal Power inviting you to join me over on Twitch most weeknights sometime after dinner. Video games have always been a social hobby for me, with friends and family crammed together on a couch chatting away while someone holds the controller. And thanks to the power of the internet, I've got my own virtual couch over on Twitch where you can kick back and goof off while I play games. Find me on Twitch by searching Troidal Power, that's T-R-O-Y-T-L-E Power, to snag a spot on the couch. Hello, I'm Katie. And I'm Chelsea. And together we are Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea, a podcast all about pop culture. We talk about books, movies, music, basically anything we want at this point. Yes, we obsess about K-pop. And Keanu Reeves. And sometimes Katie cries on the podcast. Hey! 
That's rude. But really, we are just here to talk about all the things that we love. So make sure to head over to teatimewithkc.com and geek2geekmedia.com to check us out. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to our show wherever you download your podcasts. Bye. Bye!